The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Christine Lavelle is my special guest and we're taking your calls on everything from deadly nightshade, roses and what to do with certain seeds. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with Christine and she lives in Devon. Christine, where are you from? Uh, I call from uh, Tinmouth in Devon. Right. You're in Devon? Yes. So, can I ask, why do you listen to BBC Essex and to the Gardening Hour? Because I absolutely love gardening. (laughs) (laughs) And how do do you listen down there then, generally? Podcasters. That's good to hear. And, of course, not (laughs) forgetting that the podcast has extra tips and things on it that you wouldn't get through the programme as well, doesn't it? It's wonderful. Great. Anyway, lovely to hear from you, Christine, in Devon. And uh, let's uh, see if we can help you. What what would you like to know? I seeded 25 seeds Petunia Red Velour in March. They are now 30 millimetres. Why? You did so, so you sowed them in March when you should... Well, that's the correct time yes. of year to sow them. And then did they not grow? Did they not germinate? No, they didn't grow. But I they, mean, they, 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 I, I have them under my eyes. They're, they're tiny. So they've only just germinated? Yes. No, they germinated before, but they, they didn't grow. Uh, did you take them from... Um, after they germinated, did you put them in a, a compost that had nutrition in it? Yes. And what did they do? How high did they go just these few centimetres and then sat there? 30 millimetres they are right now. And I seeded them in March. That's three centimetres. I'm not very good. That's just (laughs) over an inch, yeah. So they're only an inch now? They're less than an inch. Well, there's something wrong with them, isn't there? Yeah, there's 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 either something wrong with the compost or there's something wrong with the seed. I use use the same compost for all my seedlings and and all, all my seedlings were normal. So everything else that you've grown is normal except these petunia? Yes. Now, you don't tell us who you bought the seed from, yes. but you should actually write to the seed company. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you can, take a picture of the seedlings and say, look, this is what's happened, I sowed them in. And explain, just as you're explaining to me, because they should know, yeah. and especially it's important that you put in that you've grown all everything else and it's been successful. Uh-huh. I've just got one last question to ask you. Just, uh, did you sow them and have them indoors or outdoors? In the greenhouse. And did it have heat in it? No. Right, well, because petunias need heat in order to germinate. Ah. So, uh, yeah, because they're, they're what's classed as a half-hardy annual uh-huh. and and they need round about 18 to 21 degrees. So they wouldn't have germinated. So, that would so, so the, the reason why I'm thinking that is because half-hardy annuals will drop their seed and then they'll, they'll actually germinate late into the summer, you know, things like mm. um, uh, French marigolds and so on, and uh-huh. they need exactly the same temperature. 
temperatures, and they and if there's seeds in the soil, they won't germinate till late summer, and then they would be about this size that round about right. now. Yeah. So they're actually, and yeah. in fact, you couldn't keep. Could you keep them through the winter? Well, not really, would you? Uh, no, you you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It wouldn't you know, work, would it? I, you know, I'd just try again next year. I go and get another packet of seeds, and yeah. then do I them would. Do indoors. Yeah, I would do. I am my dad. My dad's an amateur uh, gardener, and so he's got a, a windowsill at home, a, a nice warm windowsill, and he puts them on there. Um, and you and don't if you, think they you don't think they would survive the winter? Not, um, they won't in a cold greenhouse, definitely. No, no, you'd have to bring them inside, and then. But the, the the other thing is that if you actually now you've got them germinated, they would be really big plants before they were ready to get put out next. You'd have to probably pot them on a few times if they you could, if they did survive. I'll tell you what you could do, Christine. You could try a few because there's yeah. nothing, you know, nothing wasted, is there? I will certainly do. And keep them inside. And then let us know how you get on. How about that, Christine? I will. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you Good so luck. Much. That's lovely to hear from Christine in Newton Abbott, Devon. It just shows you that the podcast is available for anybody across the world to actually tune in and get information about gardening. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to help you with your garden. We go to Canvey, a bit more, a bit closer, a bit down the road, isn't it? Canvey Island, George. It certainly is. Good morning, Chris and Ken. Hello. How can we help? Good morning. <clears throat> I've planted an Arthur Bell climbing rose back yep. in March, April. And it says it reached a height for about 11 foot. Will We've eventually. reached out and surpassed it, but I've ne- I haven't had no blooms on it. It's lovely green foliage, but no blooms. Are you, are you feeding it with much? Have you fed it at all? Yes, a couple of times. With what? That's what I'm up. Rose feed. Oh, you're doing the right thing. I just wanted to cross-check. Arthur Bell, lovely rose, lovely yellow rose, isn't it? That's and the one, this, yeah. is, this is just its first year? Still should it's give its a... first year, yeah. We planted it in that March, April. Yeah, well, normally you would get some, get some flowers some, on it, but, but, you know, maybe it's just putting on, you know, a bit growth. of vegetative growth this year and you'll get your flowers next year. I think I would be more worried if uh, you phoned up next year after it's yes. established for a year <laughs> and then you're still not getting the blooms next year. Do I need to trim it down or prune no. it because it's gone wild? It's well, generally, pick out your main stems that you want to keep. Yeah. And they'll be quite vigorous stems. And then arch those. So, in other words, bend them round. So, where they're coming up, just yeah. pull them down a bit and tie them into either a trellis or wires. Now, where you arch them, if you've got mm-hmm. side shoots off them, just cut those back yeah. to two or three buds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what you'll find is because you've arched them, you've actually stressed the rose and you'll get bloom all along those branches. Yeah. It's, it's actually growing over an arch, so I just tie it in. Yeah. yeah. And just tie in your main ones and cut back the others. And this is a really good time of year to yep. do the tying in because I used to work in a rose garden and um, we always did them this time of year because the, the, the actual stems are pliable at this time of year. Yes. Whereas if you wait yeah. to do it as a winter job, they come a bit more brittle. You try and arch them or, or tie them in and they break quite easily. Right. Okay. If I just tie them into the arch and then trim yeah. back the shoots. Yes. Yep. So anything that's coming out from the side, the cold lateral branches, you just prune them back to about two to three buds, as Ken said. Okay. That's fantastic. Okay, George. George. From, George. George from Canby with his roses, and oh, not a depressing one about weeds, is it, Sylvia? Yes, I'm afraid so, Ken. Good morning. Good morning, Hello. Chris. Morning. <laughs> 
I am absolutely inundated with oxalis. Oxalis, is it? Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's... it's everywhere. It's in the pots. It's in the lawn. It's yeah. everywhere. It's depressing, isn't it? It's very and, depressing. And it's not only depressing, it's very difficult to get rid of. I know. Well, do, you know do you know what Kew Gardens did? No, uh, what I did went, they do I, to I get went rid a few of? years ago and it was in their rose garden and they just couldn't get rid of it. They sprayed it with all sorts. And so they actually dug up the roses <laughs> and then they dug up the soil, they replaced the soil and then they replaced the roses. It's that bad. Yeah. Because, I mean, all I would say, and I know we're not keen on using weed killers, but the only thing you can try is, is a glyphosate-based weed killer. Yeah. However, it doesn't work very successfully because it's got a shiny, as you know, it's got a shinyish sort of leaf and it repels a lot of uh, the spray. Yeah. I sometimes, mm. and I, I shouldn't recommend it, but people tell me yes. that if you put a dob of washing up liquid in with uh -huh. your spray, it sometimes helps. But seriously, digging up, and spraying is the only thing you can do for it, Sylvia. Yeah. Oh, I, I had right. a tip, and not with oxalis, but I had a student one time who had yeah. um, mare's tail. And that, again, that's a bit like oxalis. It's got a shiny um, uh, coating on the outside yeah. of the actual plant. And so therefore the, the chemical doesn't stick to it very well. So she actually used to take a roller uh, and roll... The, the horse crush tail, it crush it a little bit, yeah, and then spray it, and it actually used to absorb the, the weed killer a bit better than if it was just going straight onto the actual plant itself. So you might want mm. to maybe stand on it and scuff okay. it up a bit before you spray it. Yeah, is just, any, it's worth a go. How does it spread? How, you know, is it bulb, the, the bulbs or the flowers? Or? It's, got, it's bulbous, it, isn't it? But it, it actually got, spreads by root as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it it's got these mm. seeds on it. And the seed, yeah, and the seeds um, explode, and then that's their method of spread. But also, oh, they've got I these see. runners under the soil, so it's a pain. they can get right under slabs and right under. You know, we've it's got everywhere. them. We've got them in the rock garden, and it goes right under through the the rocks. And that's it's really it. difficult to get them out. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much for your help. Let's start with plant of the week, Prunus lusitanica, or Portuguese laurel. It uh, is natural and comes from. Southwest France, Spain, Portugal, and even Morocco. So it likes a bit of warm weather. It's an evergreen. Well, you can keep them normally in a, in a garden, sort of three metres high. Keep them pruned back even harder. You can keep them a couple of metres high. But they will grow, if you let them grow, up to 15 metres high. They've got a very attractive bark. It's a sort of blackish brown. <clears throat> the leaves are lovely shiny green, ovate, a little lighter underneath. The flowers, small white flowers, not that significant, but the fruits are really very attractive. They hang in a sort of cluster, a droop even, small cherry-like fruits. They go from green to reddish and turn even dark purple. They put up with full sun, partial shade and pretty well any soil you can throw at them except shallow chalk. Not too much of that in Essex, so they're actually a pretty hardy plant to have in your garden ideal is just a shrub as a background shrub but also fantastic as a hedging plant you could grow them into a hedge something like six foot high keep it beautifully trimmed it's a lovely hedging plant very underused also used in topiary and uh, many many standards have created you can create a standard with a one meter stem even though i planted some this 
other week with the two metre stems. And then you can train the heads into shapes. So it's really, it's a, it's, it's a good topiary plant that you can make some very spectacular planting of in your garden, especially if you've got a bit of space and you don't want to use um, other typical plants like box and those sort of plants. So they are, it's a great topiary plant. What do you have to do? Prune it, as I just said. You prune it in spring. You cut it back to old wood and it grows out again. So they are. Nice, easy one to grow in your garden. Great for a background plant. Great for a specimen shrub. Great for topiary, hedging and standards. Can't do more. Prunus lusitanica or Portuguese laurel. Where did we promise to go to? I think it was Zena in Whitton. Sorry to keep you waiting, Zena. Good morning, Ken and Chris. Um, Hello. Right. During the last hot spell of weather, I managed to save my daughter's hydrangea that is in a galvanised bath. Now, I've got... There's a few stems that I can see I'm going to have to cut out because they're still very dead. But how now do I treat this? I've got loads of growth coming up on the old stems. So no new stems, but just loads of... It's all like budding again and, and that. So now what do I do? Oh, that's fantastic, really. Uh, I just uh, I like it to keep growing. And is it is it um, pot bound in the galvanised bath? It, I'll have a look. I'll have yeah. a look because I wouldn't pot it up now. But in the springtime, it'd be worth thinking about potting, potting it, up. it up. And it's obviously um, got really dry during the, the yes, dry period. And that's so, what happened, yeah. so one of the things that I'd recommend is getting some John Innes compost if you were going to repot it, because that's a soil-based compost rather than it being a peat or a coir-based compost, and that's less likely to dry out. Yep. Okay. So if I was going to pot it up again, um, I take it out the bath. Uh, you just run your fingers through it, get some of the compost off, and then repot it into a bigger pot using this John Innes Number Three compost. And no pruning. It's not necessary to prune it at yeah. all, is it? No, just as you were saying, I mean, you sound like you're very knowledgeable yeah, already. Yeah, you cut the dead bits just out. Just cut the you? dead bits out, and um, and then keep any. Have you got any flowers on it? No, there's no flowers. Yeah. Um, it did. It did flower. In fact, it died while it was in flower. Through that, my daughter forgot to water it. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it but, did. It, right. Everything died. But in, in future, it, if it flowers next year, keep the flowers on it over the over the winter period, and that just protects the buds over the winter period. The top okay. buds sometimes they can get frosty. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's lovely. lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zena, for your call from Whitham, and we now go. Oh, we nip down to Romford to talk to Yvonne. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. Hello, what you, you, what you got for us? What you got for us? Well, I'd like to tell you a story about my camellia. It started off in a pot, uh, I'm thinking about 18 to 20 years ago. Uh, it flowered the first year. We moved it all around the garden. No, no flowers, but we kept it. I moved house, and in the new property we planted it in the ground which has then it's got enormous and we have it smothered in flowers every year well this year a couple of weeks ago i looked at it and what appeared on it i've never seen before they look like little tiny apples i know yeah. that, that's the seeds yeah well yeah. i've never seen them before so i yeah. had one off with great difficulty, I tried to cut it in half to see what was inside. Oh, they're so hard. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Very well, hard. We, we pulled a few more off and just left them 
sitting on the top in the kitchen. It's actually over the top of the boiler, so it's warm. And they've all split open yeah. like conkers. I do, yeah. Yeah. So my question is, can we uh, grow them from that and what? To, how do we do it? Yeah, you can... They need good soaking, won't they? Yeah, because they're so hard, uh, I would give them... I a, mean, a, they, they have split now, so... It no, but even... A... I think the inside one's quite hard as well, isn't it? You'll yeah. find... Yeah, because yes. because because what's split open is the fruit, which would have been the mm. uh, in terms of the um, fertilizer. Uh, it would have been the uh, yeah, it would have been the ovary mm. that the seed was enclosed in. So what you're left with now is actually the seed itself, which has got a coat on it, and that coat will be really hard. So I'd soak them for for a little while in lukewarm water, and then I'd I'd um, then I'd sow them, and then I'd, you what? could just. Uh, just in some seed and cutting compost. In fact, you'd be yeah. better off with uh, just a bit of compost mixed with some grit, actually, rather than vermiculite or perlite because they're, they're hardy plants. And then you could keep them outside in a, a you know, just in a greenhouse. Um, have we you got a greenhouse? Yeah, I'd give it a go now, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but the only thing is, it's probably a cultivar that you've yeah. got. And so it's very often you don't just get the Camellia japonica, it would be some sort Could of... Could be anything. Yeah. yeah, and so when you take the seed of that, it will be, you know, because it's been crossed, obviously, uh, by different pollen and so on, you will get um, offspring which will probably not be true to the cultivar you've got. So it All could right. be, it might not be the same colour flowers that the offspring will have. Well, that's all right. It's a different colour. And it will take many years to flower as well. Yeah. It will? Yes. Okay, well, like this one originally did. Yes. I mean, it flowered the first... It was a present, actually, and um, it, it flowered the first year I had it in the pot, and it, mm. after that it didn't, until we put it in the ground in the new property, and it's just got huge now, and the flowers are beautiful. Well, I think you've got a challenge, uh, Yvonne, but it's worth trying. And uh, keep us in touch on how it yeah, grows, because we're always interested. Fun. Yeah. Right. Okay, then. Thank you for your help. We just wondered what to do with them, because yeah. I was intrigued after yeah. all these years. It's actually okay. a, it's a sign as well, isn't it, Christine, that, in fact, um, the summers have been dry yeah. and uh, extreme for yeah. plants because yeah. the seed, flower and seed is much heavier over the last yeah. couple of years, hasn't it been? Yeah, and that's they try and reproduce. stress. Stress, yeah. stress yeah. makes plants reproduce, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because camellias are, you know, they're from uh, China and that's Japan right. and that's a temperate climate and so we've been having more of a Mediterranean climate here over the last couple of years so, uh, you know, the plants are very stressed mm. and as you say, when they're stressed they produce more uh, flower and more, more seed and so... So, yeah, that's probably why what's happened. And also, it's probably more mature, the seed, because of the, the hotter summers. Don't forget, you can give us a call and talk about gardening with us, both here in the studio on 0800 111 or text me 8133 straight away into the studio, just as, I don't know who that is, but they're asking about citrus plants, so we can talk about that, and Sharon in Leyden. Now let's go back to the phones and talk about Deadly Nightshade with Be Beverly from Canoodon. Hello, Ken. What are we um, doing with Deadly Nightshade then? Well, <laughs> well, uh, it's got um, I've got two two little plants. I think they're self-sown by birds or something like that. Um, I didn't actually plant them, but they're I suppose about six inches tall and trailing. Right. 
Um, and they've got white starry flowers. Yeah. And black. Black berries. Black berries, yeah. Masses of them. Yeah. Um, and the leaves are sort of heart-shaped, triangular shape. Yeah. Yep. Is that likely to be black, uh, deadly nightshade? It certainly sounds like it. It sounds like it, yeah. The yeah. Pro- and what should I do with it? Do uh, the birds eat the, the, see, the berries? Uh, I'm not sure, I'm actually. I'm not sure, actually, about yeah. them. But uh, we, we just used to weed them out. You don't really want them in the garden. They're no, because just... the, the trouble is there is a... Um, a what's it called? The, the, we we go grow one that's the same family, don't we, as a climber. Oh, um, yeah, it's Solanum. Sol- Solanum, because uh, they're all the same family, yeah. aren't they? And yeah, it's, it's called Solanum... Uh, na- well, the deadly nightshade is Nigrum. Nigrum, Nigrum, isn't Nigrum it? means black, and, that's, and yeah. that describes the seed that you just... You know, that's why I think it de- definitely is. Because it's got that star-shaped uh, flower. It's got the star-shaped flower, but yeah. it's actually um, the same family as the potato. And if you ever look at potatoes... They've got similar flowers, They've got very they? similar flowers, and actually the potatoes berry, although the berries aren't black, they are, are, are the shape. same shape and they look exactly the same and tomato is solanum lycopersicum so you've got all these different bits of the family and unfortunately deadly nightshade is the one that's poisonous well actually yeah. no the seeds on potatoes yeah. are poisonous aren't and they? you know the, yeah, uh, little, like there's a little fact here which i think is so interesting very often when a plant in its latin name it gives a description and when you get the description it's usually um, maybe described if it's a little bit um for example uh, unusual for that particular family so larix decidua decidua means deciduous and it's a conifer which is deciduous which is quite unusual well, the tomato, before it got renamed recently, was uh, Lycopersicum esculentum, and esculentum means edible. And so, therefore, it's quite unusual for something that's a solanum to be edible. So the tomato is edible, but all the other ones, all the berries, all the fruits aren't, and all the other so solanums. So have we helped you or confused you? <laughs> a little bit of each, really. Do you recommend that I dig it up? I wouldn't get yeah, it. Would, I wouldn't keep it. them. No, because yeah. they trail. They're a big plant if they get going, yeah, and then they'll right. drop. Their, they'll drop more seed of those berries, and yeah. then you'll get even more. So not right. ideal. Okay, I'll dig them up. Well, okay, later. Beverly. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, for, you. thank you for your call. And we go to Terry in Prettygate. Hello, Terry. Hi, both of you. Yeah, Ken, I phoned you up back in February mm-hmm. and saying I was going to um, reduce, by a long way, a lollipopped Berberis hedge. Right. And you told me to go for it, and uh, it's quite a big hedge. Yeah. And I went along, and you asked me to report back. Oh, right. Well, I thought I'd wait till I see if I'd actually killed it, which you said was very little chance. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it looked absolutely brilliant. Oh, well, you and see, so we got, our, we got our advice well done, right, Ken. did we? Yeah. <laughs> you did, and um, it is absolutely fantastic, and uh, it's growing from the bottom, as you said it would, yep. and it's thickened out nicely, and it's still got lots of wildlife, bird life within the hedge. Which is what you wanted, wasn't it? This is what I wanted. Yeah. But, Ken, I've got something else I want to report back on. OK. I come from Devon. This is, this is my hometown. I've known it from 60-odd years. Uh-huh. And um, I've just been planting in Colchester, my garden, a lot, lots of origin, the Mexican daisies, yeah. which you see growing out of the walls all around Devon. Yes. Now, I thought in my naivety that uh, this was only a West Country plant, 
But I started looking around Colchester and there's ginormous clumps of it in yes. lots of people's gardens. There are. They're very popular in this area. I didn't realise that. So they're also... Um, they have become a very trendy plant with they? designers. Yes, designers put right. them in all sorts of places. <laughs> because, and, of course, they're pollinators too, aren't they? Yes, they're good pollinators because they're uh, a nice open flower. Yeah, and always reminds me of home. So whenever I go down to our place in Devon, we see them there. And now I've put about 15 plants all the way around our pretty gate garden. That is lovely to hear, and I hope you heard earlier on that we had a listener from Devon. Did you hear I that? No, and sometimes I call you from Devon. What, what? you do is you say, hey, Google, play <laughs> BBC Essex, and you get BBC Essex, because um, BBC Devon is slightly of a lesser calibre, in my humble opinion. Thank you very wow. much for your compliments. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, Terry, and that's really nice to hear that, you know, you're growing something in this area that reminds you of home, and that's really, really nice to know. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Christine, what you got for us? Ah, oh, well, I've got quite a lot of tips for you this week but the first one is lifting tender perennials so these are all your plants such as your salvias your cannas your dahlias these all need to be lifted and then sorted out for the winter so for your dahlias if you dig them up and then get all the soil off them i usually keep mine in trays these old bread trays that you get now i line it with newspaper on the bottom just a little bit of compost on the, on the base, then put the dahlias on, cover with a, a night, another little bit of compost on top and then just leave them to dry out over the winter. Simple as that. Yep, pot up my cannas um, and then I don't cut them all the way back because it's a bit like your daffodils. You want that goodness to go back mm. into the to the base, into the rhizomes there. So I allow them to I cut off all the, the dead bits and so on and then allow them to dry themselves out over the winter time again, only watering them very sparingly. Now, you mentioned salvias. Do you, yeah. do you have to keep salvias in, or are they hardy at all? Well, They vary, don't yes, they? Yes, they do vary, and it's it's a bit like, do you want to take that chance? So um, one of the other tips that I'm going to go and talk about in a little while is about taking cuttings of them at this time oh. of year. But what I usually do, even if I have taken cuttings, is I usually dig up a couple of plants and then move them into the glass house just in case the cuttings fail. So now are we going to do a second tip on cuttings? Yep, second tip on cuttings. Right, what do we do? Yeah, so the cuttings of these tender perennials. So other ones that uh, I haven't mentioned, heliotropes. Oh, yeah. And They're lovely. The, I love the perfume of those. Ah, oh, well, I asked the students at Rittle University College uh, to have a smell of them when we go round in the plant mm. idents. And, the, the, you know, they, they love them. So I said, what do you think it smells like? I think it smells like, do you know these pink and white marshmallows? My mum yeah. used to have them. Yeah. And I think they smell like that. But some of the students say candy floss, marzipan. It's just real sweetness, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Mm. And they are a perennial plant. So you could take cuttings of these or you can, again, like the salvias we just mentioned, you could lift these, pot them up and then just keep them over the winter. How do you take the cuttings of those? Is it easy this time of year? Yeah, they're called semi-ripe cuttings. So if you've got a book or you want to look up on the internet semi-ripe cuttings they're round about I like doing them about 10 centimetres long although on the RHS books it says 10 to 15 but I think slightly smaller tall. yeah it's better around about 10 centimetres cut them underneath a leaf and then get some rooting hormone either liquid or powder and then uh, make yourself up some cutting compost it usually says in all the books no 
no low or no nutrients, but I just use multi-purpose compost. Works all right. It works fine, and then just mix it in with a bit of perlite or a bit of um, vermiculite. Uh, they say 50-50, but I think about 60 uh, multi-purpose, 40% uh, peat or perlite. You could get that from any good garden centre. And then just mix it up and then put your cuttings in there. So, Polythene bag over the top if you're doing them indoors? If you do it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Simple as that. Thanks very much, Christine. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Uh, we go to George in Dagnum. We're talking about potatoes. Is that right, George? Yes, that's right. Uh, good morning, Ken. Hi. Um, it's it, it's regarding the seeds of the Cara potato. I'm in the process at the moment of digging my main crop potatoes up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I get rid of uh, uh, the waste. But can I actually dig in the seeds? Because they're like little tomatoes, aren't they? Um, that come off the come off off the flowers. You mean the seeds off, off the flowers? Yes, yes. Um, I know int- I phoned you up a, a couple of years ago regarding the seeds because I didn't know if I could I could uh, produce potatoes from the seed. And then you went through the various processes that yeah. uh, um, the companies do for that, which wouldn't, wouldn't be you know suitable for people like us on allotments. But right. Uh, I think the the would you? It wouldn't hurt, would it? They're not going to hurt, are they? The seed of potato. But are you going to dig in the home and everything, the whole green part? Oh no, no! I, I take that out and uh, uh, disperse with that. But uh, it's such a time wasting. Well, not time wasting, but it takes a hell of a lot of time just to clear those um, seeds because they drop. Um, Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, right. I see what you mean because it's just yeah. Well, we usually, if I was doing it on the vegetable mm. garden, I'd just get a rake, you know, like a rubber rake, and just rake them. But off. does it matter if they're dug no. in? No, no, I wouldn't. Th- no, it wouldn't matter. And the other thing is that people never do, and I'd never understood totally why, is that if your potatoes haven't got blight or not affected by blight, I don't know why people don't dig the whole green bit straight back in the ground because it doesn't do any harm if it's got no disease, can it? No, because if you do it now, it'll it's green rot vegetable. It down by, yeah. So, as I say, I've always disposed of them, but anyway, the answer is the answer is no. You haven't got to worry about the um, oh, right. about the seed at all. Right, if you don't get it up, have a lot of time. yep, save yourself time. Then you can do something else in the garden, can't you, George? Thank you very much indeed. Ken. That's a pleasure. And we go to Andy in. Basildon. Hi, Andy. Hi, Paul. Um, yeah. It's a, um, morning, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's about the coleus plants, yeah? Uh-huh. Now, do you think I should bring those in now as it's getting a bit colder or leave them out for a little bit longer? So I've got two really big ones in hanging baskets, one at the front, one at the back, and they're absolutely massive. Well, they're not hardy, are they, Christine? They're not hardy, Christine, so... No, they're not hardy, and... Well, it just depends, because uh, last year, it it was just before half-term, so that was the last week of October we we got our frost... And so yeah. they would be okay for, you know, probably for about another two or three weeks. But it just depends if we're going to get an early frost, really. Um, yeah. With the coleus, I don't. I wouldn't normally overwinter them. I would actually do Take them by cuttings do as well. do by. Uh, you could do them either by cuttings or you could uh, start oh, them off. These words, both of these were both done by cuttings, and they're growing massive. They're growing really nicely. 
Have you taken more cuttings? Yeah. And so that the reason why I'm asking that... Yeah. So that the reason I was asking, if you've got cuttings, uh, well, yeah. you could always keep your your big plants outside, and it doesn't matter if they get frosty because you've got new ones coming on. Yeah, and I've got the seeds, obviously, of the flowers. I've yeah. got envelopes, okay, yeah, until next year. But, but really, no, are the, wonder, hang on, are the seeds off the flowers of the plants that you've grown? Yeah, they're off the. Well, they might out the middle, don't they? Yes, but they, they might not come. Them. They might not come true to type. They might be a different coleus oh. next year. Or different colour? Yes. That doesn't matter, does it? No. Oh, is it? I'll put your brains. How many varieties are there of colours? How many, many colours are there of coleus? Oh, look. Oh. Do you know some of my no, favourite? There's one called Campfire, which is like a, a little yeah. red one with a, an orange <laughs> fringe around it. That's probably my favourite one. But I'm not sure of the cultivar name for this one, but there's one that's got um, a, a really bright red inside and it's got a green yeah. margin. And as we were saying uh, today. One of those. Oh, they're yeah, fantastic. And then you can get orangey ones and yellow ones. There's hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. And you can get you can get them where they're single cultivars, or you can get mixed batches as well. Mm. And I think they're one of the best bedding plants to give you a tropical really look in the garden. It's a spectacle because it's like, it's like a uh, feature. Like they're wonderful. And, and if I put them in the table during the winter, and they make a really nice centerpiece for the table, yeah. They do mm. indeed. They can look nice indoors, but really overwintering them is not ideal, is it? It's no. really you're better off with cuttings. But coleus are a great plant, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, don't forget, you can give us a call on 0800 4041 or send us a message, 81333. That comes straight through to us here in the studio. And we go to Rita. Rita in Malden. Hello, Rita. Hello, Ken. Hello, Chris. Uh, yes, Hello. I have... Uh, I have a freckles violet. I've had it several years and it's flowered on and off and set seed over the years. I've put it in a pot and this year it hasn't flowered but grown much bigger leaves. Has it reverted back somehow? Uh, if, you've, if you've collected the seed and, and this is one of the, yep. the seedlings, it probably <clears throat> has done actually. It's a lovely little uh, viola. Yes. Yeah. And it has reverted back. Is it worth keeping? Well, uh, yes, you don't know what you're going to get. That's how plant breeders get new varieties by... Did you realise that? Yeah. No. I yes, know. basically they'll take seed from a, a range of plants and they'll grow, say, two in one area so that they cross-pollinate. Mm -hmm. Then they'll take seed of that, yep. sow hundreds of them, yep. and they'll select the ones that look good. That's why they cost so much money. The selection process is yes. phenomenal. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of plants are grown to just select yeah. those few. And then even yeah. when they select them, they've got to grow them on to get more seed from them and make sure yeah. that they don't pollinate with anything else. And, and so it goes on. It's so it incredible. takes quite a few years to do. But, yeah, it's worthwhile, yeah, worthwhile having a look to see um, exactly what the flower's like. And if it's not any good, just put it on the compost heap. But if you want to go back to getting your freckles, I'd recommend going back and actually buying a few more plants and, and you know, yeah. bedding them out again. So is that how they got the freckles violet in the first place? Yeah, it would cross, have been, it would have been a selection, yeah. Selection with yeah. cross-pollination. Yeah. OK, all, then. All clever stuff, isn't it? It is, very. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Thank very much indeed. Thank you. That's Rita from Malden. And we go to Angela from Springfield. Talking strawberries, aren't we, Angela? 
We are indeed, Ken. Yeah, I had a good crop of strawberries at the beginning of the year, if you like. Cleaned the strawberry plants up, ready for bedding, if you like, for the winter. And they started blooming again, and I'm now picking strawberries. Now, if I leave them plants, will they still flower again next year and fruit? Mm. Yeah, they will, won't they? I yeah. mean, the plants sort themselves out through the winter period, don't they, basically? Yeah, if they, if, they've used straw- a bit of, if they've used a bit of their energy up, they mm. might not flower quite as much if they had a complete rest yeah. period. But, yes, they, they should do. Right, I'm, and also, I mean, t- I'd also taken the small plants away, but in the last fortnight, they've just gone mad with a lot of um, new ones, if you like. So I didn't know whether to guard the main crop and then start again um but you think they will still um crop next year as well they should do yeah yeah. are the strawberries that you've got ripening or not oh yes because i was eating strawberries as i picked them yesterday there you go that's what it's all about that's what gardening's about all right then no worry at all Okay, I won't then, Ken. Thank okay. you very much indeed. Pleasure. And don't forget, we have a line free on 0800 111 We'll do some messages, and funny enough, strawberries. Oh, right, okay. And this is from one. Sharon in Leyden. Uh-huh. She says she's had a bumper crop of strawberries grown yeah. in a strawberry urn this year. Uh-huh. Is there anything I can do to help it survive the winter? And it's still got red flowers on it, you see, so obviously that's going to produce fruit as well yeah. still um it's not got a problem if it's in a in a proper planted pot that's no. an urn no it should be it'll fine, go through yeah. the winter no yeah. problem the only it? the only thing is that maybe as a tip that i would say for mm-hmm. something like that is we've had quite a few very dry winters recently especially yes, that's the point. especially last year and people forget to water the pots because they just think it's winter time it's raining but even if it does rain, very often the shape of a lot of these strawberry pots as well, it's not very conducive to the rain going in and percolating down through the pot. So just make sure that you give it enough water and you do water these pots in the winter. Well, any pots in general, but especially pots like that where there's usually quite a high concentration of plants in there and actually the shape of the pots isn't fantastic for collecting the rainwater. What do you think, Ken? I think that's a good idea yeah. and I think that... Uh, uh, it's all plants. It could yeah. be small fruit trees in yeah. pots. Just what, yeah. don't overwater them, but yeah. just see mm-hmm. that they're ticking over. I just wanted to nip over to Ruth Archer's mystery plants that she sent us. Oh, yeah, and we were had having a, a look at these On this the morning. email, we looked yeah. at these. Uh-huh. And the first one, which is in just coming into flower, wasn't it, which is a Lanicera, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Lanicera fragrantissima. Which is a winter flowering shrub. Beautiful perfume, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. And normally it will flower when the leaves drop, but this one yes. seems to be flowering a bit early. Then yeah. we had um, a plant with flowers all the way up the stem in between That's the right, leaves. Yeah. That was Lissy... Lysimachia punctata, which is a herbaceous perennial Perennials. with yellow flowers. So you can cut off the dead flowers and that will come up next year. Yeah. And then the other one that you sent us... Uh, Ruth was aquilegia, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Which it's is a just spring a flowering of... woodland plant, yep. So no problem at all there. Uh, we'll go back to the phones and we'll do a mix of... Oh, 
phones if we can we'll some, try and do an email we'll try and do your text as well try and fit you all in don't forget give us a call 0800 4041 and let's go back to the phones and talk to Karen from North Weald hello Karen hi guys hello um, hello uh, Ken I've got oh, and I've got a fig tree that is absolutely full of fig and they're quite big, but I, they're very hard still. And and I was just wondering, because I don't think they're going to ripen now, um, can I take pick them and ripen them indoors like some fruit you can? I've never tried it, have you? No, it's usually in the se- it's usually goes into the second year of the ripening. Is that yeah? Okay? But these big no. But I know what you're saying. Cause I, there's a fig tree in one of uh, our clients' gardens, and in fact, the figs are quite big. Um, but they won't ripen. They are the next year's... You see, I think what we're saying is that they take two years, and I think you're aware of that, aren't you, Karen? No, I had no, I, no, oh, I right. had no idea. Explain it. That, right, what happens is, normally, in the year that the fruit is ripening, the fig yes. tree produces more fruit. Now, that fruit, normally, you want it no bigger than your thumbnail or your fingernail. Yeah. And that okay. fruit goes through the winter and ripens right. next year. Yeah. Now, what's happened this year is that that young fruit, because the summer's all over the place and now it's come wet this end of the summer and yeah. it's still warm, the small yeah. fruits have grown large. Right. So you've actually got lots of these, you've got lots of unripe figs sitting on trees but they won't go yeah. through the winter. They'll drop. As soon as it goes cold, they'll drop. Yeah. Now, whether you can ripen them indoors, I honestly don't know. Someone out there might know. Yeah. Uh, I think you might be able to... You might, could you reckon you could cook them? You might be able to cook them if they're not ripe, mightn't you? I don't know. If anybody knows anything about figs, they can help Karen from Northweald with yeah. loads of figs that are green. Well, the big ones, if they drop, I'll take them indoors and I'll let you know what happens. But I do have some very, very tiny ones. Worth a try, and don't forget that a a ripe banana in the same bowl as fruit is the best way to ripen fruit. Well, we'll try them and I'll let you know. Thank you so much. Karen, that's fine. And it's uh, figs are fascinating, aren't they, that they, you know... Uh, In Scotland, we we never, ever got any, as you can imagine, any mature fruit on our... Didn't you? We had one called brown turkey, which Yeah, brown turkey figs are a good one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was on our south-facing wall in the wall garden. Yeah, still didn't, but it got really cold. We used to grow... um, uh, oh, it was a one a yellow bay, a golden bay, and we had to actually cover it in the, the garden in the winter time because it was that cold up there. Now, when I came down here, I couldn't believe all these plants we used yeah. to protect up in Scotland. People would just grow them in the garden. Do you no think? Problem. It, do you think it's been changing though, over the years that you've been down south? Do you think it's warmer in Scotland now and people will be able to grow some of those plants a yes. bit better? I'm it, sure they will. It be certainly able to. is a lot warmer. Yeah. yeah. We have got changing climates, haven't we, definitely? Yeah. Um, talking of which, citrus plants. Um, how can I get my citrus plant to flower and fruit? I have small trees grown from grapefruit and satsuma pips, both about 10 years old. Well, that's what the first thing I would have said. It could take you at least 10 years from, yes. a, from a pip mm-hmm. to get to a flower. However, they might never flower. Yes. Might they? Yeah. There's no guarantee, is it? 
Yeah, I, I remember, I've, I've never actually taken them from pips and grown them myself, but someone actually did tell me very early on in a horticultural career that if you <coughs> take the seeds from them, you might not necessarily get them to fruit again. No. So, patience, Paula, no guarantees at all. Yeah. Um, feed it something like tomato food in the spring yeah. to encourage it, and that's all you can do to help it. And she's keeping it in a cold greenhouse, which is correct. Well, we've got your calls, texts and emails very shortly. But uh, Christine's now going to give you a couple more tips. Oh, right. So one of my other tips of today is going to be about where you've had your summer bedding, such as your cannas, yeah. your salvias, the heliotropes that we talked about. Um, how about putting some other colour in there for the springtime? So uh, my tip for today is how about thinking about getting some tulips, some wallflowers, some pansies, forget-me-nots from the garden centre, or if you've grown them on you know, yourself from June time, why not plant these out in big splashes across the garden to give yourself a bit of colour? And you do need big splashes. I mean, I always think if you're buying tulips, buy don't buy mixed colour. I'm anti-mixed colours. Oh, I like yes. separate colours. Big absolutely. block of red. Big yeah. block of orange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's anything in the garden should be in big blocks really to give you the impact, and. Uh, I, I quite like mixing the tulips with the wallflowers. Mm. So I put the wallflowers in and select a colour out and then think what colour of tulip would really either contrast or harmonise with that. Make sure that it's taller than the wallflower, that it's, it's not going to get lost and that it flowers at the same time as well. So a nice combination would be there was a cream wallflower I chose one year and then there was a creamy yellow tulip that just Lovely. popped up above it. Really tasteful. And like yourself, I'm not really into all these garish colours, these polychromatic it's called in the design world uh, colours, I quite like harmonising or or contrasting colours where they're opposite each other in the colour wheel where you've got orange and uh, orange and blue or red and green is a nice mix So they are, there's a good idea Got anything else for us? And lastly, if if the rain continues and the ground continues to soften up, it's a really good time of year to sow your grass seed. It is, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it's brilliant. Because there's still enough good amount of warmth isn't there in the soil to yeah. make it germinate and that, actually that warmth is carrying on we can see that by the amount the grass is now growing can't you oh well it still is good it's growing like mad isn't it so there's two times a year that you can uh, that they recommend for doing your grass seed there's a the spring in the autumn and like you say uh, with the warmth that's already in the ground from obviously the summer months and mm. so on Autumn actually is preferable because the grass seed germinates quicker and then there's less chance of the weed seeds uh, out-competing your grass seeds and so on, which what happens in the springtime. So you get a thicker sward of, of grass in the autumn time. So, yeah, if only if it... If you know the weather continues uh, to to give us a bit of rain, if it's too dry, the grass seed just sits here otherwise. And it won't grow. No. So they are. If your ground's ready, do a bit of sowing. You could do some patches on the lawns. Yeah, it doesn't like have to that. be the whole lawn. Nope. It can just be patches, yep. So they are. Thanks very much, Christine. We've talked a lot about figs today, and we're now going to talk to Richard in Colchester, but not about figs, are we, Richard? No, we're not. No. What are we talking about today? <laughs> um, I purchased a Sunderville plant in the early part of the summer, uh, which has been absolutely gorgeous. It's a red one. And um, I just wonder how I can keep it over the winter. So can you say the name of the plant again, sorry? Sunderville. Sunderville. You don't S-U-N. mean Mandeville, do you? Uh, Is it a climber? It's a climber. And does it have a big trumpet flower? It does. Mandeville. 
Mandeville, okay. Mandeville, and it's got a, a green, sort of grey, I say a grey green, it's not really a grey green, but it's a deep green leaf, yes? Yes, it is. Yep. Mandeville. Now, Mandeville, Mandeville is generally grown, have you got it indoors or out? It's been outdoors all summer, it still is, and, and it's looking really healthy. And I'm, Right, okay. Not hardy yeah. is the answer. They're not hardy at all, so it will need to come indoors or into... Okay into somewhere have you got a cold greenhouse or a conservatory no right indoors near the window and keep it coolish rather than too near heat and what about watering over the winter just keep it ticking over i mean don't let yeah. it dry out and it's something that uh, we were talking about earlier is people do let plants dry out and you mustn't you've got to yeah. keep it just ticking over haven't you yeah but it's and a does gr- it need feeding not at this time of year. You wouldn't start feeding until April. Yeah, and I'll start feeding okay. in the springtime. It produces lots of traily bits, and you can just nip those back with your fingernails, yeah? That's it. And that's keep it, keep it compact through the winter and then possibly repot it in the spring and let it take off again. OK, and when would you suggest it goes out? When? Sort of April, May? Yeah, you've got to watch for frost. Frost so, is the problem. Okay. All right. All right, so as soon so as the frost is finished. End of May, probably, end of May. yeah, end would of May. be a, a good time. I mean, you could probably get away with putting out at the beginning of May and just Watch bring, the nights. And then just bring it in if it is going to be, um, you know, frosty. Or if, okay. to be on the safe side, you could put it out at the end of May and you don't have to worry about it then. OK, Richard. Would you, ta- would, would you take it in now? Uh, maybe another couple of weeks. Yes, but just yeah. watch the weather forecast. Yeah. I mean, we're getting very mild nights at the moment, so you haven't got to yeah. worry. And, I mean, it's, you know, we're getting high temperatures during the day. I mean, it's 12, yeah. 14, 15 at the moment, so it's not bad at all. That's so good. It's OK uh, until really um, Cold nights. there's a concern of frost coming in. Before frost, you want yeah. it, before you know, frost. before okay. frost, yeah. OK? All right. Okay, thanks for your help. It's a pleasure. That's what we're here for. Uh, if you've got a question, 0800 111 I can turn that, get that in t- today if you can, if you want me to. Uh, we had uh, Andrew from Mark's Tay has sent us pictures of his hedge. It's a golden Lalandi hedge, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it? yeah, that and one, yeah. And it was very brown indeed. Um, I must say, Andrew, that you've got a rush, what we call ru- Russian vine or mile a minute growing yes. all over the top. That will really cause the plant a lot of stress, yeah. won't it? It'll cause it because it's taking moisture away from the plant, but more importantly, light, it's taking it? light away from the, the plant. Um, so you need to take the, the Russian vine, get rid of it, yeah. And also, I've got a little tip on that, um, the brown. The brown, what do you think the brown is? Do you think it's been cut too tight or It's what? probably been cut too tight, and they tend to do that as they get older as well, but it's certainly because it's been cut too tight. Now, Beth Chatter Gardens had a, oh, it was about 20 years ago I went, and they had patches on their hedge like this, and I went back about 10 years later, and the, the hedge was completely green because conifers, apart from you, once it goes brown, it doesn't re-sprout again. It? Yeah, and that's what you've got to be really careful of. So I wondered, I thought, Beth Chatto, she's amazing, but that amazing that when you know that um, conifers don't sprout back, hers obviously look like they had. But I asked the head gardener, and what had happened was they'd got a guy who was retired, and he got some of the um, the conifer that was coming out at the side of the brown patches, oh, and he actually, fed it back yeah, and he he bent it over, and then got some sticks and put it through the brown bits, and then Clever. tied it in, and that's how they got rid of their bare patches in there. So basically, you can't get rid of you, the bare patches are. 
age, cutting yes. in too tight because it won't yeah. regenerate, and the plant. So, Andrew, you've got lots of things that have gone rather wrong, I'm afraid. I think and it's probably best to take your hedge out and start not, again. It won't recover, no. will it? Not from that. Uh, we go to Linda in Chelmsford. What are we talking about, Linda? Dahlias. Yes, what would you like to know? Right, I've grown them for the first time this year, and they were very successful. The only thing is, I didn't realise they'd be so big, so I need to put them to the back of the border rather than the front. But they've still got lots of flowers on and lots of leaves. When's the best? I mean, can I cut them down or leave them till these flowers die? Dahlia, you can leave till the frost hits them. Yep. Right. So de keep deadheading. Yeah. And you'll keep getting flowers. You'll probably get it for another good month, Months, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. I can dig up the tubers. I've, I've looked up to see how to look after the tubers. Yeah. And what to do with them. So I can leave them till the frost comes and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, dig the tubers out. Yes, and if anybody wants to know more about dahlias, they can listen to the podcast where we've. It's in one of the tips on the podcast. So they are, Linda. Oh, but okay. yes, thanks very much. But keep them, keep them growing as long as you can. Yeah. As soon as they're blackened by the frost, go for it and dig them out. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye. That's, that's a pleasure. Uh, that's Linda from Chelmsford. Um, now the armchair gardener Chris, who's a, a regular person who comes to our aid. I don't know whether he comes to our aid, but he has some very funny quips sometimes. He says, the washing up liquid helps because it's a wetting agent. This prevents the spray from foaming, forming droplets on the oxalis leaves, which would run off the leaf. Worth a try. Yeah. Thank you, Armchair Gardener from Braintree. It's good to hear from you again. No chocolate jokes this time. He usually jokes about chocolates on trees and things. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, we have signs of disease on our William pear tree. Good harvest this year, but leaves are showing spores on underside. Should we do anything? That'll be rust this it could time be, of year. Yeah, it could be, yeah. On the bottoms, it'll be rust, won't it? Yeah. Uh, cleanliness. Nothing we can spray fruit trees with much. Yeah, there's days. a lot of things being taken off the market yeah. now, isn't there? I'd say cleanliness, wouldn't you? Yeah. Rake up the leaves. Yeah, rake up the little fruits and so on. Don't leave them around at all, yeah. would you? No, absolutely, yeah. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's right. So clean up your leaf, preferably give it to the council. Do not put it on your own compost heap yeah. and clear it away. And it's, a, it's as simple as that. Um, I have two questions, and this is from Brian in Basildon. And he's saying, when should I cut back my roses... We uh, time. I'm give them still in a, flower. Yeah, give them a, a bit of a winter prune, maybe around about November at some point, and that's just to take the the rose hips and get the weight off it, so you, yeah. you stop winter uh, rock. But you actually do your main prune. Uh, we've had this before, Ken, where you do yours at the beginning of March. I like doing mine mid March, yeah. but that, again, that's probably been the coming Scottish from Scotland. Yeah? Yep. yeah, So, so that's it. But yeah, just give them a little winter prune round about November time, and do the same for your bud layers as well, just to get some of the weight off the the shrubs and that's all yeah okay and the other question from brian was how can he stop this is an interesting one blackbirds starlings and thrushes digging up his lawn now they're digging up because they're looking for things aren't they yeah they've Do you got, some, he's got leather jackets yeah they've probably got some sort of grub in there it could be yeah. chafer grub but probably leather jackets so really, all you can do, now one of the things that you can do is that you can soak your lawn, can't you, and then put black polythene across your yep. lawn, and that will bring them up to the and surface. And then you just brush them off. Or a good, brush or, them off or leave them well, for the birds. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. 
So lots of things you can do there. So they are. Um, now, Kevin Disperito, he sent us a picture of a pond with a large conifer over it, didn't he? Yes. And it's he wants juniper. to know whether he can cut it. Now, juniper can be cut. Yeah. Is it just tricky to get the sh keep the shape? Is that the problem? Yeah. And it's just like how we were saying earlier about the conifer hedge. You can't cut a conifer into old wood where there's no leaves because it won't re-sprite. So you've got to be really careful. Angle your cut away from where you're looking so you can't see where it's been cut. And just you've got to be quite conservative about how you prune it and make sure that you balance it up rather than just where you cut it where it's gone over the pond. If you don't cut the top and the sides, it will just look out of scale. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme, take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you've got a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on Saturday mornings 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, the Gardening Hour, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.